all these characters in the Bible, in the Old Testament and in the New, um, they are there in part uh, that we might learn through their lives that the way God deals with them is the way God deals with us because God doesn't change. And so uh, I want to look at uh, one of the great characters of the scriptures of the Old Testament, Moses. I love this story. I love the story of Moses. And don't worry, we're not going to look at the whole story of Moses, literally just the first bit. Um, If I can find, of course, the correct passage. And uh, uh, a a new king, um, uh, a new pharaoh had arrived in Egypt who didn't know Joseph and who didn't know the story at the end of Genesis of uh, Joseph saving the people through the famine. And uh, the people of Israel... Uh, The children of Israel had multiplied. There was a lot of them. And the new king and the people got scared of them. Uh, They felt uh, uh, that they were going to be overrun. So they made them slaves and they worked them really hard to make bricks. And uh, uh, we read in uh, Exodus 1 verse 12. But the more they, the people of Israel, were oppressed, they more, the more they multiplied and spread. I just want to pause there a moment by that one verse. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. And do you know what? That's a biblical principle. That's, that's true again and again and again. You can read that in the Acts of the Apostles, the story of the early church. Did you know that there were two ways God spoke to his church uh, in, uh, in, in the book of Acts, two ways in which he led his church. The first was the gift of prophecy, and the second was the gift of persecution. And it was in about equal measure. There were times when God spoke prophetically to the leaders of the church, go there, don't go there, stop that there. And there were other times when persecution spoke to them. Uh, There was persecution in that area, in that city, and God's people were scattered. They fled all over the place. And guess what? Wherever they went, they preached the gospel. As signs and wonders followed them, they planted churches. They were like a disease that could not be eradicated. The more persecution that came, the more the church flourished, the more the church spread, the the seedbed, the fertile ground on which the church of Jesus flourishes is persecution. It always has been the case. I don't understand it, but it, it's the way it always has been. And this is what happens, happens here. The more the children of Israel were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread just to annoy the Egyptians, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. And so, in this context, Moses is born, and uh, Pharaoh has ordered that the the, the sons that are born to the Israelites should be put to death. Uh, So Moses' mum hides him, she makes a reed basket, and uh, the story is uh, Pharaoh's daughter finds him. Uh, on the banks of the river Nile, and due to God's providence, uh, Moses' mum ends up looking after him uh, 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 without them knowing that it's his mum. And uh, Moses is brought up um, in a slightly schizophrenic world. His mum, who was acting like, yeah, she, 
she looked after as, as his nanny, but it was actually his mum. She'd have told him, she'd have told him, you're a Hebrew boy. This is your people. And yet he grew up a prince in Egypt. He grew up with all the education, with all the culture, with, with, all, the, with all the stuff. You know, it was like this, this, this kid was taken from Hemel Hempstead and was educated at Eton and went around with all the rich and the wealthy from Hemel Hempstead. It was like the, you, these two totally opposite worlds, utter, the utter bottom to the top. And at the same time, I have a problem with Hemel. Uh, at, the same t- at the same time, you know, at the same time. And so he would have ended up with insecurity issues. He would have ended up with identity issues. Just like many of us, many in our culture struggle with who actually am I? There's, there's, there's the, the world, there's social media, there's, there's everyone around me telling me one thing, but then there, there's, there's alternate things being told to me. And so... For Moses, he would have grown up with, with a little bit of an identity crisis. And when we, when we have unresolved stuff in our lives, it shows itself in the way, it shows itself in the way uh, that we respond to stuff. It shows itself in the way that we act. And uh, there comes a point where um, Moses' anger issues come to the fore and he murders an Egyptian. And he realizes what he's done and he'll be found out. So he flees to the desert of Midian. And uh, as he flees to the, the, um, the desert of Midian, he's there year after year. In fact, he's there virtually on his own for 40 years. And then we read this amazing story of encounter. And this is what I want to home in on. Uh, it's one that you'll, have, if you, you'll know very well if you've been around church for any length of time, particularly if you went to Sunday school. And it's the encounter with God at the burning bush in um, uh, Exodus chapter 3. And uh, uh, Moses is minding his own business. And then one day he notices a bush that's a little bit different to the other bushes. It's on fire and it will not burn up. And we read this. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. And uh, you know what? I think it was really important that Moses made a decision that he would. There was a curiosity in Moses. Uh, there was a hunger in Moses. There was a there was a drawing in Moses. I don't think at the time he knew any details about what was going on, but he went to investigate. Uh, there was there was a longing. His life was not full. He did not regard his life as perfect. Let's go and have a look. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Um, At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And this was Moses' first real encounter with God. And do you know what? 
at the moment when God speaks to us first, when he calls us, the first thing that happens is we get a revelation of God. We get a revelation of God before anything else, before we get a revelation of who we are. We sing a lot of songs about who we are, and I struggle with that, if I'm honest, a little bit, and I say to our worship leaders fairly regularly, please, can we sing fewer? I don't want to sing about me. I want to sing about him. I'm just tired of this is who I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm here. You know, I want to sing about him. I know who I am. I've got my address. I've got my passport. I know who I flipping am. I want to know more who he is. And I know there's a place for that. I know, but the place for that is is in response to revelation of who he is. We only find who we are when we see who he is and what our relationship is to him and who he says we are. And so for Moses, the first thing that happened was, was I'm, in the, I'm in holiness. I'll take off my sandals. I'm, and he hid his face. He, he didn't want to see God. He put his face down. Have we had moments like that or do we just come into his presence, you know, like without, without thinking, without blinking, without, without pausing? You know, um, I, when I was growing up, we had this uncle and aunt that I did not like at all. But my parents insisted that we got on with them. And so before they ever came round, there was a clean-up in the house, and there had to be a clean-up of me. I had to comb my hair, I had to wash my face, I had to make sure I had clean clothes on, and all of that. And it was over my uncle and aunt. Um, I had to comb my hair uh, in order to be in their presence. How much more in the presence of God? Uh, have you combed your hair before you've come into his presence? Have you put clean underwear on? Have you, have, you, have you washed yourself? How do we comb our hair? We comb our hair by confessing our sins. We comb our hair by, by repenting of our sins. We prepare to be in his presence. He isn't our pet poodle. He isn't just our best mate. He's the king of Lord, kings and the Lord of lords. And he has the power. He has the keys of death and Hades that's what it says not in some obscure passage in the Old Testament but in the book of Revelation in the New Testament that's what it says right at the end of the book as well do we come aware of his holiness do we come expectant uh, to meet with him and that's what happened to Moses and so the first thing he does is he has a revelation of God and then God speaks to him and tells him what he wants Moses to do and this bit I, this should be made into a comedy program uh, if I had the money and if I could get together with some of our guys here who are um, you know who are, who are into uh, videoing and I mean I could we could make a great comedy movie of this and this is God speaking to Moses and Moses answering back and this back and forth which is hysterical the Lord said and he begins his speech I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering Da, 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 and I'm going to rescue them and I'm going to come and I'm going to, I've, I've, I've heard their cry. I've seen their misery and I, the Lord God, am going to lead them out of their suffering and I'm calling you, Moses, to go. And he says, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people and the Israelites out of Egypt. 
And then we read, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He bursts God's balloon. God gives this speech. It's like eloquent. It's better than Boris Johnson and Jeremy Corbyn combined. It's better... I won't go there. It's better than all of them. And, and he gives this speech and then comes the letdown. But who am I that I should go? And, and I don't know why Moses was asking that. Maybe it was because he didn't know who he was. Maybe it was because of his insecurity. Maybe it was because um, he had an identity crisis and he, and he was genuinely asking um, sometimes when I ask a question like that before I go somewhere or do something new, I say to some of my friends, who am I? And the honest truth, I say it because I want them to say, oh, Mike, you're all right, really. Well, if that's what Moses was hoping, he was dashed really quickly. The Lord replied, I will go with you. Now, if I was Moses... I would have said to the Lord, thank you, Lord. That's a lovely thought. That's a great sentiment. It actually um, doesn't answer my question. Let me see if I can rephrase the question for you. The question goes along the lines of, who am I that I should go? But the Lord doesn't answer. Do you notice he doesn't answer Moses' question? Why? Because Moses is asking the wrong flipping question. Instead of asking, who am I? He should have been asking, who are you? Instead of singing loads and loads about who am I, we should be singing, who are you? Who you are, because that's what matters. I will go with you. That's all you need to know. It doesn't really matter in the end who you are, Moses. I mean, it makes a difference that you're whole and that you're not broken and all of that. But let's be honest, you're going to be broken till you meet me in heaven, Mo. You know, so that's not the point. The point is, all you need to know is I, the Holy One, will go with you. And you see, in God's version of democracy, one person plus God is always a majority. It's always a majority. Don't tell Boris. And then there's a second part to the answer. <coughs> Who am I? Sorry, no, I've, I've done that. And, and then he says, God says, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When I first read that, I thought, that's great. At least Moses gets a sign. You know, I want a sign before I step out to do something new. If I get a sign, I'll be all right. But listen to the sign. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. What he's basically saying is, here's the sign I'm going to give you that it's me who's sending you. After you've been to Pharaoh, after you've had the confrontation, after you've walked across the Red Sea on dry land, after you've walked through the, 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 the desert, the wilderness for 40 years, you're going to come back to this mountain with the people and worship me here. In other words, you'll get the sign after you've done it. What is the flipping point of a sign after? I need the sign before. I want to know before. There's no point after, except that's exactly how God works. We see it afterwards. We hardly ever see it before. We hardly ever see it before. It's always it's the number for me. It's when I look back. I constantly, how on earth did you do that, Lord? How did you flipping manage that? 
I'm, I, I feel it again after the summer. During our summer festivals, all I could concentrate was each half day. 13 and a half days to go. 13 days to go. 12 and a half days to go. Oh, this is agony. I want to be in my garden. I don't want to be, you know, all of that stuff. And it was at the time, it was, how's this, how's this going? And I couldn't see the big picture. Not really. But it's only like a month or two after you look back. And I, I want to say once again, how did you flipping manage that? You, that was perfect. You finished it so well, God. Our final event, we ended up with more than we've ever had, just about 32,500. Um, more people became Christians, I think, than just about any year we've ever had, 2,100. And, and even, you know, the, even the last meeting, for goodness sakes, the last flipping meeting of Soul Survivor Sea, was anyone there? You know, we had, we had at the beginning, at seven o'clock, as we were starting our last ever meeting, God arranged, having, having had a heat wave for our last ever event, after 27 years of rain, he arranges a flipping heat wave for our last ever event. And then at 7 p.m., he breaks the heat wave with a thunderstorm to end all thunderstorms that petrified everybody. And then it ends on the last night with 300 new Christians. And I look back and it's like, how did you do that, Lord? And all the way through my life, all the way through my life, even just, just with this church, when we, when, when we started, there was 11 of us and we didn't know what we were doing. And then you look back, how did you do that, Lord? I was just remembering this morning, you, you've heard, like, those of you that have been around a while, I'll say it really quickly, that screen's off, so I need to make sure I've got the time. Um, yep. Yeah. Oh, my Lord, I'll go faster. Um, uh, you, you know, you've heard, have you heard, do anyone remember me telling the story of um, how uh, when we first started, we hired this PA equipment, and the PA equipment was... Um, um, uh, this 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 idiot um, uh, who was in charge of it all. He 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 left the PA equipment in the back of his car overnight, so that he would take it back first thing in the morning. And because it was, um, and he backed the the car in to the edge of the garage. Um, and, and basically, the equipment was stolen, and because it was in the car, um, the the equipment wasn't um, wasn't insured. And I'm, I I remembered it as three and a half thousand pounds. And uh, um, and uh, he phoned me, and I said, "Oh my goodness, uh, you know, don't tell anyone for a moment. Don't tell anyone for a bit." And then I had a phone call about an hour and a half later from a, a businessman. Um, uh, who said, I've never done this before. He, hard, he didn't know me very well. He'd just become a Christian. And he said, I was driving between two of my shops and God just spoke to me and he said to me, I had to phone you to tell you that I had to put the exact same amount of money, which I remembered as three and a half thousand pounds, um, uh, 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 to, to, to give it to you. And there's a message that goes with it. Never let money stop what you're doing with young people. Can you imagine what that was? Ooh. Well, you know what? Um, that guy, 
um, uh, he, he, he was there this morning with his family. They, 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 he's, he's now a barrister and he, he's living somewhere else and he and his family are, are thinking of moving back to be back in our church and he was one of the 11 that started the church with me when he was 18 and, I, and I'm good, I, I can't wait for him if it all goes through and he gets back because I shall tell the story while he's sitting there again and again and again but the thing is because he's anal um, and uh, he, has, he keeps records. He looked everywhere, and he found the invoice, and it wasn't three and a half thousand pounds, it was 5,000 um, pounds. And it was 5,000 pounds that the guy gave us, because we, we know it was exactly the same amount. And when I look back, I think, how did you do that, Lord? How did you do that, Lord? So many times in my personal life, when I've had struggles, it's sometimes only when you look back and that's why perseverance is important. That's why keeping going is important. And you know what? For many of us, there are some things we won't see it until we get to heaven and we look back then. There are some things it will be like, ah, oh, now I get it. So Moses objects, who am I? And the Lord says, I'll be with you. Here comes number two. I'll go faster. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? <coughs> God said to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, for years I regarded that as as an inadequate response from the Lord, I was wanting to say, I've always wanted to say, I am, finish the sentence, Lord. I am who? I am what? Fill in the blank. But the Lord doesn't fill in the blank then. He just says, tell them I am has sent you to, has sent you to them. And the reason he doesn't fill in the blank is because he leaves the blank to be filled. He, fills, he leaves the sentence to be finished. Way later, 2,000 years later, he leaves the sentence to be finished by Jesus, who in John's gospel fills in the blank seven times. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. Uh, I am the gate by which the sheep uh, come in. I am the light of the world. I am the true vine. Seven times the number of completeness in the Bible. Jesus completes the sentence. And if we really want to know completely who God is, we look at Jesus He's the spitting image of his father. So God says, tell him that, Moses. And then he says to Moses, you know, the elders of Israel will listen to you. And then here we go. Chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me, even though God's just told him, and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. To cut a long story short, it became a snake. Moses got scared, ran away. God says, come back, Mo. 
pick it up, it becomes a stick again. What, do you know, hear what the Lord says? The Lord says, what is that in your hand? A staff, an ordinary staff. It's my shepherd's staff. It's the staff I've been holding for years. It's been around me forever. It's so ordinary. It's so normal. And God says, I'm going to use that. And it was that staff that Moses uh, put over the Red Sea and it parted. It was that staff that Moses struck the rock with and water came out. So often we miss God at work because we wait to see him working in the spectacular, in the big conferences, and we miss that he wants to work in the ordinary, uh, in the normal, in the everyday, at Tesco's, over the garden fence, uh, uh, in all sorts of ordinary and normal ways. That's how he works. What's that you've got in your hand? My ordinary, boring staff that has been with me for, I don't even notice it. Well, guess what? I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. Just be aware of, of how he wants to use the ordinary. If we wait for the once a year conference or festival, um, we'll miss it. We'll miss tomorrow. So then finally, you think you've got there. Um, and then Moses says to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And hear the Lord, listen to what the Lord says. It, this is a really good speech. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. What a great speech. Moses, of course, will be convinced by this. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. After all that, after all that flipping discussion, Moses ends up saying, you know, he, God answers every point. And then Moses is still saying, send someone else. Now, if I was God, I would have kicked Moses where it hurt. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Why did the Lord's anger burn against Moses? Because Moses just wouldn't trust him. He just couldn't. I've told you, I'll give you the words. I'll be with you. I'll, 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 I'll hold your hand. I will be there. And he ends up, please send someone else. But do you know what? Even in his anger, the Lord accommodates himself to Moses who he is, to his insecurities, to his questions, to his doubts. And this is the bit that I find utterly stunning and totally amazing. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. And what we'll do is you join with him and I'll give you the words. You tell Aaron and Aaron will speak. You know, the Lord accommodated himself to Moses' limitations. And God still had his will done. His, his will was still done. The people of Israel got to the promised land. But because it wasn't plan A, because Moses couldn't trust God fully, it ended up with unnecessary suffering. Uh, Aaron was one of the instigators. He was the instigator of the, the whole golden calf scenario 
where as a result, 3,000 were killed and there was a mess that was made. Uh, but you know what? God still had his way, but it was more painful than it would otherwise have been. And, and you know, when we read the story of Moses, we read the story of, of a hero of Israel. You know, we talk about the law of Moses. Uh, Moses was, you know, the, the story of the Exodus is, is what's known as the controlling narrative of the whole Bible. It was uh, repeated again and again and again, ultimately with Jesus, who takes us out of slavery and takes us to the promised land. And you know, Moses, the great hero of Israel, was a man with feet of clay. He was a man who had identity issues, insecurity problems, a bit of a bad temper. Uh, even when he encountered God at the burning bush, you know what? His faith stuttered, and yet God used him. God used him, and he, and he used him to change the world. And that's the hope for us. That's the hope for us. And I just, I just want you to know, I, I wasted too many years um, thinking that we ha I had to wait until I was holy, until I was sorted, till I didn't have any issues, till I was full of faith. And I've realized God's power is made perfect in weakness. I absolutely finish with this, and I'm going to be on time, amazingly. Um, I absolutely finish with this. I just came back, uh, my interns and I, uh, we just came back two days ago from northern Cyprus, um, from the Turkish area of Cyprus, which for a Greek Cypriot was a little bit scary. And uh, we went to spend a few days with the global leaders of the New Frontiers movement of churches. And uh, I just found it an incredibly humbling and wonderful experience. Um, I, I don't know that we would agree on absolutely everything, but they are a flipping class act, I tell you. And, and in many of the places where they're working, there is persecution. Many of the places where they're working, there is horrific things happening. And we had leaders from, uh, I don't know, about 10 or 11 different nations. Uh, the talks were translated simultaneously into Russian and Chinese. There were pastors from India, from the Ukraine, uh, from different parts of Africa. And do you know what? I, I met a Chinese couple. They lead a church in China, and they've just been told that at the end of this month, their church will become illegal, and they've got to close. And they were told that if they refused to close, they would be jailed. Uh, I, met, I met pastors in Russian Ukraine who have been, who've had their churches closed down. I've met folk who have worked in certain Middle Eastern countries for years who have just been kicked out and told they can't come back. And I've met a whole load of others. Uh, there was a, a Kenyan pastor called Edward Buria there. He and his wife, they came to this having just buried their daughter. And there was story after story after story about persecution and suffering. And do you know what I encountered amongst them? It was like, we're not going to give up. We're going to keep going. Uh, there's pain involved. But we, we trust in the Lord. We believe in him. He will put it right. And you know what? That's how he proves himself faithful. He proves himself faithful through a people who through their tears keep going and trust in his faithfulness. 
And actually, when you read not only the story of Moses, not only the story of the early church, but the story of Hudson Taylor, the story of George Muller of Bristol, you read stories of, 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 of a people who sometimes it was like, what are you doing, Lord? What's going on? I don't understand. He is faithful. He can do immeasurably more than we ask or even imagine. I'd love to tell my 15-year-old self, stop worrying, it will be all right. But I'm not sure if I could, it would work. Because even having told you all this, having seen God's faithfulness, I still stutter. I still have my moments. I still have like, oh, how's this going to work? And then I get cross with myself. The latest is, is over our building thing. Um, you know, we've been talking about it. For, it feels like we've been talking about it f forever. Uh, and, um, you know, we're still waiting for the architects to give the final plans. Uh, but we've it's going to cost at least six million. And we've raised two million, in, which is miraculous. Uh, we think we can take a mortgage for roughly maybe another two million. But there's still another two million to go. And do you know the way it works with me? Having told you, and I believe it, having seen God at work over years, uh, there are some days, yep, I'm God's man of faith and power. You're going to do it. And then there are other days, what have we done? Oh, how we get, where, where's it going? Oh, what a disaster. Oh, it's going to be, and then the next day, I think you're going to do it. And then a few minutes later, ah, ah, what encourages me is just like Moses, me and Mo. If I was at the burning bush, I'd have had a few questions as well. And God, in his grace, would have answered them. And then if I just said, <laughs> send someone else, he'd have, he'd have sorted me out. And it would have happened in weakness. So go for it. <laughs>